Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. In this week's special episode, I'm joined by fellow Irishmen and one-fifth of the biggest boy band of all time, One Direction's Niall Horan. Now, since his One Direction days, Niall has enjoyed a stellar solo career, having just released his latest album, Heartbreak Weather. As a recent podcast evangelist, Niall invited us to his apartment in London a few weeks ago to chat everything podcast over a cuppa, as well as how he had been balancing his time between songwriting and tour life. From the dulcet tones of Peter Crouch in the Peter Crouch podcast to George Ezra and friends, let's get cast away with Niall Horan. Niall Horan, welcome to Cast Away. Hello, Laura Whitmore. How are you? Long time no see. I know, I think, when did I last see you? Jesus. Glastonbury? How long have you got? Yeah, Glastonbury, Glastonbury yeah. that was fun. Oh my God. Uh, and I was trying to remember. I'm usually drunk when, anyway. <laughs> we're drinking tea now. Tea and water, very sensible. Mm-hmm. Um... I was trying to remember back the first time that we met. So was I. Um, and I think it was, when did you audition for X Factor? Like 2010? 10. 10 years ago. Mm. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Right. Um, <laughs> and I remember, I think I was an MTV and I remember all the One Direction lads yeah. coming in. And normally we have a studio inside, but for some reason, because it was sunny, we had bought every studio outside on the that's canal. Right, it was in Camden or something. It was in Camden, yeah, yeah right, and yeah. you all came in. And that was the first time I met you, but I didn't really know you. Nah, but we were just doing the whole, yeah. like, oh, you're Irish, yeah. I'm Irish. We both work in entertainment. Let's hug each other. It is, it is <laughs> it weird, that. though. There was that, I, I kind of, because I moved over and didn't know anybody. And mm. I think if I found anyone Irish immediately, yeah. I just felt, oh, someone who kind of gets it. 100%, because yeah. I was, same with me, because I was kind of surrounded by loads of English at the time moving to England 16 just like a deer in the headlights and then mm. bumping into yourself and Brezzy and yeah. Noam McDermott yeah. and Greg and James and all that and all of our little as we call ourselves the LIC um, that was huge I suppose wasn't it and you just need that and uh, yeah I'll kind of go back and I suppose you haven't really stopped since then and I actually I heard you saying this in a podcast when you're on George Ezra's podcast mm-hmm. uh, George Ezra and Friends we talk about that a bit later on but you went to this audition and then he never really came home. No. That was it. Yeah, I think that was like a one kind of thing that all of the parents of the lads kind of said, you know, it was kind of, they all had that in common that mm. we were 16-year-olds kind of living at home, going to secondary school, coming home in the evening, doing your homework, getting up the next day, doing the same. We all come from like really small villages and towns. Mm-hmm. And then literally went from that to next day living in London, and my, you know, my father always says, pack the suitcase, never came back, basically. And that was it, 10 years later. The roller coaster still goes. It's nuts. Still going. When you think about it like that, it's crazy. I remember when I first started MTV, when I used to do interviews, mm. you basically had about 10 minutes with somebody and then it was cut into a news bulletin. So no matter what you'd say, you'd be like one little soundbite yeah, that yeah, you'd yeah, use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember when I started doing this podcast last year, I was like, oh, I can sit with somebody and actually have For a ages, chat. Yeah, I know. And it's weird because it's so different to what... I know, but I love it because you can kind of get context. Well, I mean, that, and I think that's why podcasts have become, become such a thing. Yeah. Because 
people like the short stuff in terms of news bulletins and, and things, as you say, but, but they also like to hear the other side of mm-hmm. a story and sit and down see and, personality. and hear and yeah, and actually get into someone's personality. Mm-hmm. I'm generally quite boring, so this should be good, <laughs> I know. This should this be good crack. <laughs> By the way, I love the way you said, yeah, I know. Cheers, thanks. Yeah, I've known you for years. I <laughs> yeah, know you're that. really boring. Um, never be friends with you if you're boring. <laughs> but I think, and again, going back to that Irish thing, because that's what we have in common, this nature of storytelling, I've always loved storytelling and mm. that's probably why I got into journalism and I used to love acting when I was younger because I like these stories and I'm assuming as a songwriter mm. um, that's probably a huge thing for you as well the storytelling element 100% as you say being Irish it, come, it becomes you know yeah. we were talking about this before you know like it comes with you know, tell, us, yeah. tell us an old yarn yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and you know all your, your granddad going over to the house your granny telling you stories from years back yeah. you, you probably didn't even believe true were true but you like yeah. the story element of it and learning something about ages and ages ago and just yeah there's just something about being Irish and being able to tell a story we all have this knack of being able to tell a good story um in terms of the songwriting stuff I mean that's part of it you know I grew up on I grew up on artists and I a lot of Irish artists people like Damien Rice you mm-hmm. know and things like that where that's what that's what their music is about is about literally spe- nearly speaking down the microphone do you find it weird when you first like moved? To, I know you kind of live between LA and London and different places, but I remember when I first moved to London, and you'd have a night out, and then in Ireland you'd go back to someone's house and have a sing song, and yeah, there's always a guitar in the house. Yeah. And I, when I moved to London, people didn't do that, and I was like, yeah. "Whose house are we going back to for a sing song so, and for the chats?" Oh, stop! And it didn't happen. Well, it only happened when we when yeah, we yeah. got them when we got together. But I, I even now, like, I remember when when I first started living in LA, and Robbie Keane had just started just started playing for LA Galaxy and we, you know, we bumped into each other, became good mates straight away, just the Irish thing again. And he was like allergic to like going to the pub or going to a, a bar or something. He was like, can we not go up to the house and have a sing song? And we'd end up going up to the house and just like yeah. going through a lot of Irish yeah. tunes and singing till the early hours. But yeah, it's not really so much of a, a thing over here, but um, yeah, I do, I do, I do miss those days. We'll and have then, to bring them back. And you just stay up all night chatting, kind of writing all the wrongs in the world. The next morning, you're like, I feel like I had an epiphany, but I've forgotten what it was. Yeah, we solved all of the all world the problems, problems last night. <laughs> all the problems. I want to talk about actually because I was uh, looking. You haven't done a lot of podcasts, but I am. Mm. Um, I'm a huge fan of George Ezra and Friends, yeah. and I found it really interesting why George started doing that because mm. he was a fan of podcasts anyway. But he found it as a singer songwriter was really helpful for him to talk to other singer-songwriters yeah. about their journey. Yeah. And um, I listened to your one. And it, it was really interesting because I heard you talking about things. I, you know, I've interviewed you before. I've seen your interviews before. And you talking about things that you've never talked about. Yeah. And even at one point, George asks you his your advice because he's about to do this O2 yeah, arena yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and all these diff- bigger gigs. And he's asking your advice. And was it nice to kind of be interviewed by someone who is, I suppose, one of your peers? I... Absolutely loved that podcast. It was literally sat in this exact spot. You have to I, come to your house to pin you down. I've realised that. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> you if you podcast, they all happen at my kitchen <laughs> table. Um, you get tea, though. So that's good. <laughs> it's great. It does serve tea. Yeah, I loved it. Um, I loved that podcast anyway. I nearly kind of half put myself forward for it because I knew he was on the search for people to do it, you know. I just loved, the you know, the personal side you get. To, like, I mean, you sit down with Elton John and... Like all these unbelievable artists, and aside hearing a side of Elton that you would never hear, just because you know he keeps his lo- his life quite closed, rightly so. Same with Ed, and just have like a really like we literally just stuck microphones on our shirts and we just sat for two, like an hour and a half and just chatted. Like I don't get to, we don't get to do it a lot really, but sit down with another artist and actually talk about how you write a song mm-hmm. or you know your your feelings towards 
fame and just general chit chat that you don't really get to have with other people because you don't do the same job. Mm-hmm. Sitting down and actually having like a chat about music and things like that was, I just loved it. And I'm a huge fan of that podcast anyway. And you must spend a lot of your time, especially now, because, you know, we'll talk about the second album coming out this mm. month. It'll probably be out by the time this comes out. But um, doing a lot of promo, doing a lot of interviews, which are kind of the same, have to be the same, I suppose, because you're talking about different songs. But to have the environment, being in your house, having a chat where you don't feel as guarded, because you probably, you've probably learned over years to be a bit guarded in interviews. Yeah, yeah, I remember talking to someone about it before and, and I always like to say, to, like, yeah, I'm being myself in interviews. Mm. Like, and I, to an extent I am, but you'd never really actually fully give yourself away at all, do you? No, because your words get twisted or you'll say something and they'll take it out of context. But or... even even if they knew, even if you knew full sure that, you, you know, mm. that it was never going to get twisted, you'd probably still have a little guard up, you know, and kind of, I like to call it like, red light syndrome you see the red light come on and you just turn into a different person in a way yeah. like a bit, bit less so now because I know you for 10 years but like it's there is something that you'll always have a guard up against it but the questions I mean I always remember a good interview like mm. even I did a day of promo last week and I can remember this one standout interview I did because it was based on it was actually a, someone genuinely asking me about my music and Wanting to know about my life, like, maybe not wanting to know about my life, but le- definitely gave me that they idea. They they wanted to know. <laughs> but I could tell it was never just going to be like a, yeah, yeah. a flash in the pan type story. It wasn't like a quick, the same, like, I mean, I could retweet a hundred articles right now that were written in the last couple of weeks about me that probably have the same answers. Just yeah. because you're asked the same questions and you literally had just have like bullet points that you hit. And you don't do even, you ever, you're subconsciously doing it. Do you ever forget in an interview, especially if you've done a junket or back to back, that mm. you're like, have I answered this question already? Am I, sorry, am I repeating myself? Like, have you ever, yeah, do you ever just kind of lose an interview where you're nearly, nearly on autopilot? Oh, 100%. Uh, you've, I've done it. Like, I've done junkets for movies, junkets for albums, junkets for all sorts. And it's just like, it's, yeah, you become, you nearly turn into a little bit of a robot, but, um, I try, like, I try and consciously think, you know, try and at least give, if you're going to say the same thing, like, at least give it a different angle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you, can, you can easily run, run away with it and just turn it into a lot of blah, 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 but whatever. Um, we talk about that roller coaster at the start that has been nonstop. And it was interesting listening to Lewis Capaldi did George Ezra's podcast because yeah. both of them kind of got into it a bit different. You know, you're kind of all on the same level now, yeah. but you're you got into it differently. You you kind of were thrown into it and you were doing stadiums before you even did the smaller <laughs> venues. Like yeah, it's mad yeah. when you kind of look back at it. I do not deserve to have a number one for seven weeks. No one deserves to have a number one. No one deserves fuck all, I don't think. But like, no one deserves that. No one should have that. It's like an anomaly thing for me. Like, that will never happen again in my career. I, I, can, I can tell you that right now. And um, it was like that thing of the, the bigger it got, the more I felt like, oh fuck, this is, I mean, not that, this isn't like, I'm not, I shouldn't be doing, like, I mean, it was like this thing, and you go in and people are like, so how, like, you know, how is it, how do you write a hit? And you're like, oh, fuck, what? <laughs> I don't fucking know, do you know what I mean? It's like, and you just, it was so, it was so surreal. And I get it, like, even when I see backstage at festivals, and you fucking see, I don't know, your next door to like, Nile Rogers and fucking, like, I don't know, fucking, like, people like yourself and people like, I don't know, Jess Claire and the Cooks fucking Arctic Monkeys around the corner and you're just like, why the fuck am the I The thing is here? with someone like Noel Rogers, mm. is if you said, how do you write a hit? He'd be like, oh, it's simple, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, it's like, it's just one of those things like, I just, even just being in that environment, I kind of like, I show up and I'm not showered, fucking yeah. disgusting and I look around and everyone looks great and they're all fucking just, like, they're just like, it just feels to me in that environment like, 
I do it like a kid at his first day of school. Every time we go to festivals, I feel like it. But it's so... It's weird because that, for me, has gone. Mm. But it kind of almost happened overnight in the... And yeah. I miss it. Yeah. I miss the... Not that I'm like... I don't walk onto a festival site like, here I am, here I am. Well, I don't know, I saw you transmitting. Bowling <laughs> <laughs> about. Uh, security guards or that. <laughs> there was uh, one thing which uh, you said, and it was... Um, you have to have life experiences to write about stuff. And I suppose with One Direction, you were kind of doing album, 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 mm -hmm. album. There wasn't much gap in between. Yeah. Yeah. Where were the life experiences? Just kind of like relationship stuff in, in, yeah. in between. You were gathering it, you know, and the gaps that we were, I was around here or whatever. You know, and you were just kind of picking bits and pieces. The, the, the real stuff I've noticed since I've like gone out on my own is and I've given myself time to write, to write albums. I found that since, since going out on my own, it can be a bit more... You know, I've been have been through relationships and gone out the back, the other side of them, and kind of taken my stories from there. With storytelling, and you know, I suppose you can only write about what you know and what you see. Mm. Are you ever wary writing about something that's personal? Because as soon as something goes out, people are like, "Is that about that person? Is that about this?" Yeah, you do. To be fair, you do sometimes in songwriting. Like I found, I've just, like stopped myself and said, "Can I say that? Should I say that? Will they care if I say that?" But then you're just like, to be honest, it's fine. I can deal with like I can tell that person if it's about them or whatever, and and explain why. Whereas the the press like story and the the, me the social media look on it is basically just a five minute like who's that song about? I want to be nosy that kind mm -hmm. of thing. When really, what I've taken away from it and didn't really think about it until I went on tour in 2018. Like, you know, I'd stand in the, stand on stage every night and I'd sing some of my ballads or whatever, and I'd, and I'd look down at the crowd and there would be people literally like just standing there crying. And what I was taking from that was they don't want to know who that song's about. They don't care who that song's about. They've actually delved into it and brought it related it to something in their life mm -hmm. and not the flash in the pan story that they were asked, you know, the question that they were asking six months previous. They've actually delved into it now. And if I get asked about it, I just say, listen, I say it basically that I just, you try and make it about something in your life. Don't ask about me. Like my my way of getting over something like that is to sit down at that piano over there, pick up one of those guitars and write about that. Mm -hmm. Once that song's written, it's kind of it's moving gone. on for me. I remember interviewing Ed Sheeran about this. He said the same thing. He said, once you write the song and put it out there, it's not your song yeah, anymore. That's the way I like to think of it too. And it's that song could end up being played at someone's wedding or, and it might be a song that you, you don't, it, it remind, it's a relationship that doesn't exist anymore for you. Yeah. But for someone else, it's a new relationship. So you still should play that song or you should still, you know, yeah. have interest in that song. 100%. I mean, as you say, it might get played at someone's wedding. You know, people have their songs. Mm -hmm. This is our song. Yeah. It's not like, it's not because it's about Ed Sheeran's missus or yeah. whatever. It's about, because they've connected to it in their way. I used to care a little bit more about it. I think the older I've got, the, more, the less I care about what people actually think on, yeah. like on that stuff. I'm more worried about what they connect to it emotionally and and stuff like that. I think it was the Lewis Capaldi one, but George Ezra was saying he was like having a fight with his girlfriend or something. And in his back of his head, he was like, oh, this could be good for a song. Yeah, yeah. And he said that sometimes he that. feels like he's harvesting his life for tunes. And he's like, "Is that? do you do that? And yes. do you kind of have to stop yourself? Go, oh, I could use this. Sometimes, like even like if I'm out and about and I see something, I'll write it down. Yeah. Just like, or if there was an argument or something, you know, you'd have, you'd, oh yeah, yeah, I get what he's saying. Like, it's like when you think of something generally, I could be sitting here now and then like think of something and I'll just quick, write, quickly write it down in my notes and then I'll forget about it and come back to it later. It's a similar thing, but yeah. as he says, you're, you're harvesting your own life. Yeah. The, right. Especially if you're having an argument or something like that, or there's something going on. But I mean, 
I mean, all the good stuff you write yeah, down, yeah. and I mean, the bad stuff has to be written down too. But yeah, I get what he's saying. I, I remember because Ian, my other half, is a stand-up, and I was like, "Do not talk about me," and so, like, I just do not oh, like. Oh, that'd no. be brilliant! But I remember we were away last year um, in Miami, and we're coming out of the hotel. <laughs> we got an Uber, and Ian <laughs> opened the door, and I got in, and he closed the door, and the Uber driver drove off. <laughs> they thought Ian was working there, and he was like mortified. And then he's like, "No, no, no!" And had to like bang the car and get back Please in. Tell me told that story. But then he was like, "Do you know what? Great stand-up." Because <laughs> I'm like, brilliant. it's really embarrassing at the time, but it's great stand-up. <laughs> Welcome. To my life. Well, at least it wasn't the other way around. Yeah, I and know. If you were left standing there and you wrote that story, that'd be worse. Yeah, I don't know. how Where oh, could I talk about it? God. Do you talk... I, say, I, I can't talk a little bit about George's show, but just moving on mm. from that. Do you talk a lot to other artists? I know you're really good friends with Lewis Capaldi mm. and stuff. Like, do you kind of share your experiences? Is it nice having people... like? What I love about you is the friends that I you were friends with when I first met you, mm. you're still friends with. You kind of have mm. that group of people, good people around you who aren't necessarily in this industry. But yeah. is it important to have those people who kind of you can talk about what it's like when you're, you know, when you're out? And um, actually, Peter Crouch talked about this on his podcast. Yeah, it's it's 100 percent. It's so important yeah. to have good people around you can just talk about normal stuff and instead of it all being the like industry th- things. My relationship with um, with like Lewis and stuff, we have an unbelievable laugh, and I think everyone sees that. And I mean, you can only imagine the crack that we that we have. But at the same time, like me and Lewis will have you know heart to hearts about stuff, and like you know him asking me advice, me asking him advice, and and stuff like that. And it's not always like ha ha ha, do you want to go for a pint type stuff. But it's definitely important. I'm not friends with a lot of artists. I think there's a lot of egos in music, like in terms of like that subconscious ones where. Mm-hmm. Like they don't, I don't, don't think people realise they're being quite standoffish. But I mean, that's each to their own, and that's the way people deal with things. But the ones that you really appreciate, the ones then that you do sit down with and chat to, like Lewis or I'm good friends with Sean Mendes or whatever. But they would literally be, you know, one of very few that I would call a really good mate in the industry. Apart from that, all of my mates are just like lads from home, my cousins, you know, yourselves, and the little crew that we have, and. Um, it's so it's so important. Like we've got mates that are from all different walks yeah. of life, and um, I, I find it. I just I just love that, and I kind of wish I didn't move south of the river now. Yeah, I know. It, was, it took me a while to get here today. You should have stayed north. I know. I'll come back at some point, but um, yeah, just kind of you have to have it around. A lot of people don't, and I, and I realize how lucky I am to have you know a core group of mates that you can just text about normal stuff and trying mm-hmm. to meet up and you know, go for a roast or whatever, you know, it's, we're lucky like that. Was that a conscious decision or did it kind of happen that way? Have you seen, because I've interviewed people, say 10 years ago, and then I've interviewed them recently, and some people you can see a change, mm. um, and some people you don't see the change. But I always wonder, is that a conscious decision on your part, going, mm. I can see the bullshit kind of creeping yeah. in, I need to check myself? Yeah, if, there, if I can see, it doesn't happen to me a lot, but if yeah. it does happen like the odd time, I'll be like, come on. Come on, Horn, sort yourself out. But it doesn't happen. I'm lucky that, like, there's a, definitely an Irishness to being able to figure out the bullshit and know, yeah. who, and know who's... You get put back in your place you if, do, you, you, if get, you go you get, too far. Yeah, if you'd say something or do something wrong, you'll know about it straight away, um, which is a great thing to have because, as we say, not a lot of people have that. And, yeah, don't overthink it because if you're overthinking everything, then you're, you know, you're worried about who... Every time mm. something's around, you kind of need... There's, there's, there's levels to it. You have to be... You have to be you can't just keep pushing people away either, but mm-hmm. you, you always know who's who's good and who's not. 
every time I see it, and I'm sure it's not like this all the time, but you look like you're still having fun. And you said it before as well, that you always look like, out of all of the guys in One Direction, yeah. that you were just like, isn't it great just to be here? <laughs> Do you know? But I feel like I'm that as well. Like sometimes yeah, I look yeah, around yeah. going, this is it's mad. brilliant. Yeah. No, if you lose that, there's something wrong with you because you're just not enjoying it anymore. I absolutely love it. I mean, it's, it's, it's probably everything I thought was going to be and better. I mean, if you get bored doing what I do, I, I don't know. Like, just, unless something's happened to you that's a catalyst that's changed negatively, then mm-hmm. I can't see why. I just love it. Yeah. Ten years. I mean, it's, ten, it's crazy when we say it. Like, it's, like I was talking about someone the other day. And even just the fact that we were just saying there now that we know each other ten years is nuts. But if you look, see what's happened in those 10 years, that's also nuts. Like what you've done, people couldn't do in 50 years. That's madness. Well, years. I'm lucky that it's still going and I'll keep like, the, you know, the, the the bigger it's gotten, the more driven I found myself. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I, I won't lie down for no one. Do you remember the first time that you knew you could sing? Yeah. Because we all like to sing along to things, but yeah. when the first time you go, oh, actually, I'm all right. I just felt like I kept getting picked for every choir in the school. <laughs> like even at a, like a really young age, like doing solos in a way in a manger at Christmas, <laughs> cutting weight. <laughs> um, my uh, teacher called Anne Caulfield, she was like my teacher in like, she was a third class teacher, so I had her for third class, but she also ran the choir and she was kind of like put me in everything. Mm-hmm. And then I was, well, I was always kind of singing. I didn't really know, probably her telling me that I could sing was me yeah. knowing that I could sing properly. I was always mad into it. Like there's pictures of me, like microphones and guitars sure. and showing off in the sitting room and all that stuff. But uh, probably her that got that got me into it, yeah. As crazy as your life is, I always think it must be really crazy for the people around you yeah. as well because you, it's your choice to kind of go in for it and it's not their choice to have this really famous son. Yeah. And I'm just wondering, any kind of stories? I always remember uh, when I, I was at like an award show in Ireland called the IFTAs, which is like the Irish yeah, BAFTAs. Yeah. And I had got put in like a holding room because I was going to present an award. And it was just me, my, and my mom came at me as my date. It was just me, my mom and Pierce Brosnan. So I had to leave her in a room with Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> and I was like, what the hell are they going to talk about? And then you come back and they're having a chat and you're like, I don't even want to know. Yeah. I'm just saying, what situations have you put your parents in? Oh, loads, loads of stuff. But like my, my dad's fine with it. My yeah. dad would like, even now, like I bring him to like a golf tournament and he'd say something, he'd go up to someone like a famous golfer and go, I was only watching you on the telly last week, you know, like very, yeah. and I'm just like, oh God. So what? They, they probably love it though. I mean, yeah, yeah. they're probably just like love it. And yeah. I've gotten to that, but I used to like find it quite embarrassing. And now I've just been like, listen, people mm. are people and that's just the way it is. Um, like my mother loves going up to the Late, late Show in, in Dublin when I'm on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Or like my, like, just my father's like, Jesus, Tuberty's a lovely fella, isn't he? Like, those are like really. It's crazy because for them, that's bigger than you doing a massive American show. I know, because like, yeah. they don't like. Yeah, it's all relative, isn't it? You know, I did Saturday Night Live before Christmas, but like, yeah. they wouldn't have a clue. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whereas yeah. I was on Scott the. Scott Johansson? Like, no. Ryan no. Tuberty. <laughs> Ryan Tuberty is the man. And they just like put the, go into the green room and Ryan comes around and says hello, and then they're talking about it for two weeks, and it's like very. That's what I love about Ireland. It's yeah. so like everything is so simple. Like it just it doesn't take a lot, yeah. you know, to to make you happy. It, <laughs> it doesn't. It and, doesn't. Uh, it was like my mother meeting Michael Bublé. She still doesn't get over it now. Like I, she's a huge Bublé fan, like most people. Yeah, who uh, isn't? And she, you know, she went went to meet Michael and introduced. And she's just like grabbing on, you know, grabbing onto his face and like of just. Fucking hell, man. <laughs> yeah. Don't touch him. <laughs> my friend. Uh- <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Have to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about another podcast that I know you listen to which is Table Manners and it's because Jessie yes. Ware does it with her mom yeah. and I love it because she asks questions that I would never ask when I'm interviewing someone because you're told not to and she actually they did they've done a few and there's one I remember she did Lean Pain and it was she asked them all the questions and I think in the first 30 seconds she was like I saw you naked let's yeah. talk about Cheryl <laughs> like, literally said everything but because it was Jessie's mom, she kind of gets away with it yeah. and there's something lovely in that storytelling of mothers just get away with other things 100% Jewish mothers Italian mothers yeah. Irish mothers they're, yeah. it's like a thing yeah, there is and a thing. they all have that in common and yeah, I like speaking of Jesse's Jesse's mom. I Yelena, love that. Yeah. Like if you if you meet Jesse, you've got a fair idea what her mom's going to be like. And yeah. her mom is just. I think they they like they argue. You can hear them arguing on it all the time because they're basically the life. exact same people. And I just I love how normal that po- podcast is. It's mm. one that I still have to do. Actually, I would love to sit down with Jesse and her mom and uh, get fed as well. They oh, it's brilliant. What have we got today, Mum? We've got a sausage casserole. Cool. Made with ginger pig sausages. Mm. And um, some mashed potato, which you probably can't eat. We'll let you have a little bit. Why, and why, some can't, salad. You, why can't you eat it? Uh, he's trying to watch his weight. We no. Mum, so are we, but we decided to do a food podcast, didn't we? Oh, no. <laughs> no, it's not, it's not. I had an uh, insurance thing for tour, and he just told me I had to drop a bit before tour. That's terrible. Oh, no, it dates back to when I broke both my arms. I think I think the I think there's a lot of stipulations now in insurance. And they're, better. To, they're better. They're better. Yeah, you, that's not because you drunk, no, drunk bottles no. of wine. Well, yeah, but I think he's like for your heart, you have to like calm down on the wine and the fried food. Do you like fried food? I love fried food. Yeah, I eat a lot of fried food. Why? Actually, what, that's what kind do you, of, eat do you know what? I have a night where I'll get a baked camembert and bread, and that'll be the starter. And then the main my my friend Dan makes this thing called Tornado's Rossini, which is uh, what is that? Was wagyu steak, wagyu fillet, and they put uh, duck liver pate on it and truffle, yeah, and then like gravy, divine. and then you have dauphinois potatoes, basically, and then you drink that's hard to as much wine as you can. Fabulous. <laughs> and how's it going for you? Well, uh, then I went to the doctor's and he was like, "You can't do that. <laughs> Stop doing that." Again, another way of like normalizing. If you bring someone around, sit around the table, have a chat, and you're eating while you're talking, and it's a bit of a laugh. And yeah, if I had time, I'd love to do like pints with Niall, and we'd just go drinking Guinness in different pubs, <laughs> have a chat. That would great. be your. If you did a podcast, that would be a yeah. pints with Niall. Yeah, that would probably be it. <laughs> that sense. It wouldn't last long because everyone just gets so drunk. Yeah, and like, do you fun. remember to press record? <laughs> with uh, table manners, I do cook um, a meal during mm-hmm. because. Uh, Lenny's a chef extraordinaire. Yeah. I'm just wondering, are you a good cook? What's your go-to? I've only, to be honest, I've only recently got into to cooking because mm-hmm. I decided that if I was going to, I'm going to try and get in shape and I was deciding like... You're if, looking all right. Um, I, yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? There's nothing really to it. But um, I've just found that like I need, uh, to get in shape, I'm going to have to cook for myself. So I've yeah. started, but um, I wouldn't say I was unbelievable. I've got a fair idea of what I need to be doing. It's more... 
I found it like quite therapeutic when I've done it. It's the chopping idea and yeah. all that. Like I love doing that side of it. I think it's something that the older I get, I think I'll get into it more. I, I, I yeah. got into coffee when I was about 22. I get into red wine <laughs> yeah, in the last couple of years. You know, and now what, you're getting older, olives next. Yeah, I'll be, you know, red wine and cooking. That'll be my yeah. new thing. And people become over for dinner parties and all sorts. Um, but up for now, I think I'm all right. No, but I would love, I love the idea of going on, on table manners. I think it's a, a genius. And so it's not too far away from here, actually. And just having a chat with them. Because yeah. there's, like, any time I'm with Jessie, we just always have the best laugh. And the idea of sitting down with her and her mother and just shooting the shit and yeah. talking about food and stuff, which are two of my favourite things to do, talk shit and eat. <laughs> if you could eat anything, what would it be? What's your favourite meal? <sighs> God, I might. Um, I love Japanese food. Yeah. I was told you were going to say a Woody's kebab because I remember we <laughs> remember in Camden. We they shut that place down, you know that? They opened, there's another one near me. Because <laughs> we, we can Uber eats it, oh <laughs> which is great God. now. No, I, to a stage I, of loving that. I love sushi. I love, yeah. I just love Pan-Asian food in general. Okay. Um, not, not very particular. I'm one of those people that, do you know what? Like when I was younger, it used to be just meat and veg and that's all we knew like yeah. potatoes literally the Irish meal that you yeah. think we have we have you just think I remember like my auntie putting vegetable on my cousin's plate and she's like I don't like Brussels sprouts and she's like just leave it on the plate for colour <laughs> <laughs> and some carrots because I don't like carrots just don't eat them just for colour just for colour <laughs> and yeah like I hated all that stuff and the more I've travelled the more I've like opened my palate mm. uh, and I absolutely anything now so if I do do that podcast, it'd be great. Um, on that podcast, I mean, they've had so many different people on it. When Liam from One Direction, mm-hmm. he was asked, out of all of the One Direction boys, who had the worst table manners? He said you. Why is that? He said you're a lad. But I think I don't know if that's table manners. I, just, I don't know what that means. I mean, it's a tough question. It's, on, it is, because you're not going to do well either way, but... I mean, who? I don't know if any, unless you're like royal or something. Do you <laughs> really have the best type of manners? I'd say I was all right. Uh, what annoys He's you? He's probably like, talking about flatulence or something, which, <laughs> which would be ignorant and wrong. <laughs> if you go for dinner with someone, and I, I went out with my, I'm not going to say who it is actually, I mean, keep it broad, but okay. it was a group of people, and they insisted on like, they're like, oh no, I'll order for everybody, and I don't like when people no, order for me. No, no, no. And then, eh, food off my plate. No. How do you feel about stuff like that? No. My, uh, my mate. Uh, is the worst for it. I hate restaurants where you have to share. I don't like <laughs> tapas. tapas gone, <laughs> sealer, not a chance. I hate, like, I am literally joy doesn't share food. Yeah. And I hate the idea of having to, like, you, you get, like, an ordering of prawns and you have to eat, what, you only get one prawn or something like that <laughs> and, like, a piece of broccoli. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm all right, thanks. But, um, no, I I'm not into that at all. <laughs> um, the one thing I love about talking about storytelling is how you can kind of... I have my best conversation sometimes when I'm driving a car. You know, when you're not looking someone in the eye. 100%. Also, when you're cooking food, like with table manners, yeah. when you're kind of having a chat, when you're doing something else. Yeah. If I have to have a big conversation with someone, I find it really hard just to sit down. Yeah, no, it's you, you need to have... Distraction. Isn't that weird, though? It's weird, isn't it? I know, you should be focused, but it just takes all the pressure off if it's something, not something serious, but I, I, I with table manners, I remember, like, listening to a few different ones, and like I said, they've had everyone, I think it was Ed Sheeran on once, and uh, he was talking so much more, even about, like, his wife and things like that, because he was just doing something else, like, eating and yeah. doing, and I just feel, I don't know, maybe it takes the pressure, I don't know. Yeah, I suppose if you have distraction and it's not the only thing you're thinking about, you have something to, like, yeah. palm it off to. I mean, when you think about, like, the, the things you do with your mates, if you go for a drink, you, you've, you've got that, and it's like... Yeah, I, I suppose no, it has to, I, Do you know what? I, with, like, my male friends, I always feel if they go for a pint, it means deep chat. 100%. They're not just going to come to the house and have a chat. No, no, no I'm not no. coming around, like, just... Yeah. yeah, you come around to watch telly or... 
<laughs> talk a little bit of shit. But when you go, if you go for a pint or something, you can really delve into it. Um, yeah, when you're eating and stuff like that, it's just it's. I don't know. Like I, like if, last night, a few of the lads came around. We watched the football, and we yeah. were kind of like we were sitting right here, drinking tea, and watching the game on the telly. And you're kind of half chatting, half. But you're probably talking about deeper stuff than you usually would. Yeah. Like one of the lads was saying that he's been chatting to this girl and then like, you know, like having, yeah. I, I haven't yeah. like chats about life through a football game really and you don't realise you're doing it. So yeah. I know I know what you mean and um, yeah, you definitely do need a distraction, which is strange really. But you always like, what I love about like chatting and stuff, you always learn something about someone else mm. and you learn a lot about yourself. Like if you have a, like a heart to heart with someone and you're chatting away to them you've learned something from their story that you could probably bring into your life that's why that's why I kind of when I was writing this album that's just about to come out I was trying to like write, not just write very selfish songs because I went through a breakup and started writing this album and it was it's very easy to just go oh you know like yeah, you know break. I'm so sad look at me looking out this window yeah you know it's <laughs> pissing yeah, great lyrics it. there yeah, you know, Ivan Novella <laughs> but you know what I mean like I'm so sad. Yeah, Look, you know, but that's how you feel in that moment. Yeah. Yeah, but then, but then you need to, think, to like. There's, there's definitely more. There's less selfish sides to songwriting because you mm. get like you do. You end up like sitting there and going, "I am this, I am that. This is all about me." You know, and you're playing away, and you don't realize you're doing it. So I yeah. consciously made a decision that I was going to like look at you know what you learn from a story and yeah. bring it in. You know, write songs from a different angle, and that's. That's what's made this this album a little bit more interesting for me in terms of the writing side of it because I've seen different sides to different stories that maybe a few years ago I wouldn't wouldn't have because you'd be I find the younger you are the probably the more selfish you are mm. and I found like in the, even in the last kind of like sort of year or eighteen months I figured out a lot more more about myself and become like a little bit less selfish and. You're kind of subconsciously selfish. It's not like I'm going out of the way to go, I am so selfish, but you're kind of doing... You've lived more and you've meet, met more people and you've seen more and yeah. people around you, you've seen go through shit and... But sometimes you'd be having a conversation with someone and like when you... I found when I was younger, like probably in hindsight and you're listening to it, you're listening to it, but you're not really taking anything out of it in ways, mm-hmm. like for yourself or for for them, you know, yeah. and, you, and you can't really... You don't really have an answer for them because you... You know, you're selfish and you don't really care. Yeah, because I love you honestly. You just don't care. Yeah. <laughs> don't get anything out of it because I just don't care about this conversation. But I, I found, I definitely found that the older that I've got, the more I've taken out of just like proper chats that I've had with people and yeah. just probably just more emotionally stable. and Just getting older as well. That's yeah. that's the one of the good things about getting older, isn't it? <laughs> more uh, wise. More wise. So yeah, if, you, if no one has listened to Table Manners, it's brilliant. Um, mm-hmm. Jesse's so great but just her mom as well just for for Lenny like just the moms you gotta love a bit of mammies it's brilliant and it, it, I, again it's kind of like the George Ezra thing yeah where it brings like the more personal side out of mm. you know celebrities in inverted commas yeah you know they just come around to have a bit of food I remember like I remember listening to Alan Carr's one and you yeah. can actually hear the doorbell ringing yeah and like him coming in he's got a bottle of wine and they're asking what the bottle was and like how are you good to see you. and then they sit down and, and it's already ready to go yeah which is Perfect. You kind of feel like you're there at yeah. the table as well. Um, speaking of another one that I know uh, podcast that you like is the Peter uh, Crouch podcast. Mm. And um, again, I feel like, because I remember when I first started listening to it and I was listening to it because of doing this show and someone was talking about it. And, uh, you know, it's a guide to being a pro footballer. I'm like, well, I don't really need that in my life. No. I don't really need a guide to being a pro footballer. But 
I I've kind of met Peter in passing through like work stuff and like with Abby and things. Yep. And then I remember when like listening to him, I'm like, he's so funny. Brilliant. He's so funny. And to be fair, he's really good and he's got Chris Stark there who yeah, goes yeah, to it, like, who's also there great. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. And they do that on a daily basis anyway. Mm-hmm. Chris obviously on the radio with Scott Mills yeah. and stuff. But um I think everyone knew how funny Crouchy was. Like, I think when, as a football fan, yeah. everyone was like, Crouchy's a legend. Mm-hmm. You know, like the fact that he's got his own well-known celebration doing the robot and stuff. And, you know, he's got a bit of attitude about him. But he, like, he's an, another fella that's just unbelievable at telling a story. And I was actually saying this before me and you spoke about doing this this week. I was talking to someone about it. And I was like, how does he have the ability to think up of all of these stories? But if you spend that much time in football dressing rooms for years and years. Like, he's been in a football dressing room since he's about 10 or 11 and the players that he played with and the whole way through his life, these are the stories that people want to hear and that's why it's, like, one of the more successful podcasts because dressing room banter for lads is, like... You know, I listen to a lot of... listen to talk sport radio Mm. and it's the same kind of thing. It's just ex-footballers coming in and having a chat and telling you stories and I think Peter also has a really good balance he's been a huge ambassador for like mental health with with Prince William and Mm. some of the other footballers Danny Rose and things that have had like mental health problems so it's not always like laughs 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 but he does have an ability to really keep you engaged I don't Mm. know whether whether it's voice or as successful as it is you kind of feel like he's your mate as well. Yeah. Like he has that, like you have that as well. It's that even though, you know, people put you on a pedestal, mm. when people see you, they probably feel like they know you really well. That's the he thing. Has I that. think that's, that's what like say Lewis Capaldi has or whatever. Yeah. It's kind of like, you have it as well. It's like a, people re- realise that you're just a normal fella that just yeah. like a normal person that does like an abnormal job. That's what I've yeah, always thought about myself. Like society has decided that this word celebrity makes us a higher yeah like puts us in a hierarchy we didn't decide that yeah you're like i literally just like think that i'm the most normal fella in the world and then i go out and i'm like oh maybe not you know like it's kind of like other people have decided for me that i'm not so i've always like consciously i've actually consciously thought about that it's probably one of the only conscious things that i like go out of the way to say right yeah but when people do come up to you they do feel like they, they can just chat in. They've known you for years, which sometimes can be a good and a bad thing. I remember once, and like I wouldn't get it to like what you guys get, but I remember someone took a picture of me asleep somewhere. I must have been like either on a tube or something, or you know. And then you're just like, it's, it felt very invasive. Oh, it's kind yeah. of funny, but very. I'm just wondering what was your worst situation of that? Because yeah. I don't mind if people ask, but people sometimes don't ask. I had a girl on a plane with me uh, one time. She was sitting behind me, and I was kind of standing up, put my bag over my mm. head this young American girl about my age at the time she said to me uh, what college do you go to? I was just straight away she's like this is bullshit Uh, I was like I don't I I don't go she goes oh you look exactly like someone in my class good one I landed (laughs) okay turned on my phone yeah uh, went on Twitter just kind of waiting for the, the, the drawbridge to come out to the plane and she'd posted a photo of me asleep in and you know, I was just lying there with my arms behind me. Were you still on the plane? Was she still there on the plane when you saw us? Yeah, like, yeah. I didn't say anything because okay. that would have I would have kicked off. But yeah. I remember like just being like, "Christ, this is different level." What can you do? There's nothing you can do about what that. What do I just say? Like, yeah. What, what do you what, say? What did you do that for? Or, yeah. Like it was just the fact that she'd like tried to do the whole. I, know. I don't. I'm going to pretend right now that yeah. I don't know you. And the thing is, if she probably had asked you no quietly for a picture, you would have done the yeah. picture. If you know, I always think within depending on if you're a family or not with family. <laughs> yeah. 
But but I also think it was really important for you to speak, to say that, to say that was uncomfortable. Because I, I remember when I first started in MTV, I remember like, this is the pap culture. But I remember getting out of a car and I just had this pap trying to put this camera up my skirt to take a picture of my skirt. Oh, and really? I remember seeing in the newspaper a picture of my skirt and being mortified. But that was the culture. And it's only now when we speak about it that I think people realise, oh, you're a person and that's not nice. I, and the quicker that happens, the better. Because yeah. we go on for way too long. Yeah. Especially for, for women, like it's an absolute disgrace. Usually like, I'll if, if I'm getting papped or like, I get, in LA, you get, papped a lot more than I do in London like so is it, is it different the pap culture the photographers do you feel is there much of a difference well it depends the on your level of fame I mean yeah. like, it feels like the Kardash- you see the Kardashians from a mile away you know who it is because the there's about 50 of them around and they're quite aggressive and stuff I go to the lads I give them like six seconds of do, 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 do. I just go lads have a great day I'll see you later and let them move on mm-hmm. but there's a different culture for women apparently where it's a little bit more a lot more aggressive mm-hmm. and as you say you've had scenarios like that which is I know. Where does now, common decency come in? And then their their answer is, "Well, I've got I've got a job to do." Yeah. Well, because, well is your job to be like an paying, absolute pervert. Yeah. <laughs> but I also think you need to speak about it because now this was an upskirting bill last year that it was a campaign that now is actually illegal for those pictures to be printed. Good. But it took so many years, and it only took speaking about it because sometimes I think I think that girl who took a picture of you on a plane at the time probably didn't even think about it because to you to her. You are Niall Horan, the superstar. Yeah, yeah. She forgot that actually you're a person, that's your private time, mm-hmm. that's your private space. And I think it's sometimes, even with podcasts, it's so nice to listen to people talk and be like, oh, you're just a human. Yeah, I know. I know. Real feelings. That's, what, that's why, as I said at the start, these things are so, so great. They've really brought like a personal, personable side to, mm-hmm. to just your general flash in the pan interview like that we always do. And people really get to delve in and see that people are just celebrities, as I keep saying, in inverted commas, are just normal people and like to have chats and talk shit. Exactly what we're just doing right now. <laughs> exactly. That's pretty much, we're pretty much up out of time now. But you did say, if you were to do a podcast, this is it, Pints with Nile for in a pub, who would be your dream guest? God. Laura Whitmore. Hey. <laughs> no, I, mean, I don't like being asked questions. I prefer to ask them. <laughs> <laughs> I studied journalism. Um, I did that. Someone was asking me a question once and they, uh, then I just kept turning it back on them. What do you think? <laughs> I can't help myself. To be fair, do you know what we were talking, when we were talking about earlier about like when the best conversations come from when you're doing something else? Mm-hmm. Like I was thinking about it. I was actually about to go on, a, I was going to go on a date recently Ooh. and I'm also trying to stay away from alcohol. Oh. So I was thinking, how do you chat to someone without going for a drink? <laughs> do you what know what do I mean? you do? Just like, oh, just go for dinner. I hate the idea of sitting across from dinner yeah, and that, yeah. like from a table from someone and like, you know, again. Yeah. Or I remember going on the first date to the cinema. The worst date, because you don't talk to them you and you're in a dark room. Film, and then at the end you go, like, that was all right, wasn't it? <laughs> but I, I, and I was thinking that as well. And, and like some of the best conversations I've ever had have been over like just a couple of pints. Like mm. I remember... Sounds like a name drop. It's not, but I oh, with my love through my love of the Eagles. I've been mm-hmm. gotten to know Don Henley quite sure. well, which is just I don't even want to talk about because it, it gets me emotional and I'm yeah. starting to get goosebumps. Um, but I absolutely love the man. He played a gig in London, and we, I brought him to one of my favorite pubs in London mm-hmm. for a pint again. It's this dingy place in on Soho Square, and we just sat down. And I like, know which one it is because yeah, we've been there. We've been <laughs> <laughs> they do crisps. Yeah, they do take a king or something. <laughs> I just sit there. Just the, like, as you say, the distraction of it. I did not for one second think to myself, geez, I'm chatting away to Don Henley. Like, mm-hmm. I was just, we were just having a, it was just a, a, me and a middle-aged man having a chat. Yeah. And sometimes like that 
something so simple breaks down that barrier. Mm. I think it's like I find myself getting like more starstruck with people when I'm in like in their world. So if I'm sitting there and or if I go to a football match and then I go and meet a footballer in a dressing room afterwards, straight away I'm like, geez, he was on the pitch there a minute ago. Mm-hmm. Like that, it's kind of got that yeah. little thing about it. Whereas if you like bring your favorite singer songwriter of the lead singer of your favorite band of all time, the reason that you sing, yeah. For a pint, it's straight away. Just I want to like, hear the recording of that conversation. Honestly, in that no, we talked about everything. Yeah, from music to life to where you know how we started. Like it was just like a chat that I probably never thought I'd ever have, but it was such a it felt so normal because of what you know. And that get, brings. Sorry, I went off on a tangent no, no, no. there, but the 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 distraction thing. Yeah. Something else going Something on. Something else going on. You just know. helping distraction is alcohol, but it can also be a pack of crisps. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't have to be alcohol. Um, heartbreak weather will be out by the time this comes out. Okay. What are you most proud of with this album? I'm proud of. I think the la- on the last album, I in like it, I mean it was hugely successful, and I can't complain. But like in hindsight, I probably pigeonholed myself a touch to the point where every song I sat down to write was a ballad and. Mm-hmm. Kind of apart, maybe apart from like slow hands and stuff like that, but just I automatically would like start finger picking and then straight away I'm writing a certain type of song. This time, having toured for so long, I wanted to bring a different element into me as a as a musician and as an artist and kind of like show a bit more diversity instead of being your man that sings the ballads. Um, so I just kind of consciously went into the studio and just tried to have as much fun as I could. I like didn't stay in like LA or London and right just there we went on like trips away which made it straight straight away more fun you know some mm-hmm. writers together having a bit of a laugh and I think with the heartbreak weather was I wrote down heartbreak weather as a concept early like early on what is the concept and the, the, the idea that the weather relates mm-hmm. the heart the weather side relates to the different emotions that mm-hmm. you feel like I spoke about earlier and it's not always sad all the time. There's different, and it just kind of helped me. The weather thing, it might not yeah. be the greatest title of all time, but it definitely stood out to me. It it's so me. relatable. I think everyone can relate to it. Yeah. yeah. And it, like it became, then that became a concept for me and sticking to that. Something mm-hmm. that I'd never done before. Never actually written like a, a, a technically a concept album. And it really, like between ha- sticking to the concept and just having a bit more fun with it. Cause I've taken it, I've, I do take it quite serious. Like there's two places where I'm in, where I'm really serious. This was probably in like a rehearsal room when we're like rehearsing for a tour, which I'm doing at the minute or in when I'm writing, I just get like really it, like properly into it. No mm-hmm. one can talk to me. Same with like Lewis wrote, wrote with Lewis there a while ago. And I was just expecting to be the best laugh of all time. Yeah. And I kept asking if it was all right <laughs> because he was so serious about it and I wasn't expecting it. I just was like, you is everything all right? He's like, no, I just, I just take it really serious. You, know I mean? <laughs> I, I, you do a good Lewis. <laughs> and um, yeah, like I, get, I just got really into it. But this time I just found myself having a bit more fun. And I think when, when you hear the, the music, you can hear that. There was obviously, with the weather thing, there was obviously some r- r- hard songs to write mm. and like emotionally, yeah, and things. But I'd be most, most proud of just having a bit more fun because I'm generally quite serious. I mean, that doesn't make sense to anyone because people only see me just messing around all the time. But yeah. when I write, I'm really serious. And um, yeah, just not taking myself as serious as I probably previously done and just having a bit of fun with it. and Pushing yourself. Yeah. And I think the, I've brought the, I think this is the best stuff I've written because of that. Mm-hmm. I just had a bit more fun with it. I was just picking up microphones, singing in melodies, writing verses. If it didn't work, scrap it. Whereas usually I'd try and dissect every word that I'd, I'd come up with and just, yeah, I just wanted to have a bit more fun. How many songs did you write altogether oh like, like that don't make the album? I wrote about 50 odd. Oh my God. And there's 
14 on the main album. So it was just like, I was trying to whittle it down. I got to about 20 and then I was like, deciding on what like what productions were better what mixes were better but I suppose the, the weather that, thing probably helps as well that you yeah. have a good mixture of stuff yeah like there was like the, I've got a, nice to meet you it was kind of like my egotistical sunny moment where yeah. it was like ah yeah. and then there's like moments like a song called Still and Put a Little Love on Me where like they're like the, the hard ones to write and mm-hmm. they're a bit they're a bit stormier if you like and mm-hmm. this was what was going on in my head yeah. literally had a board that probably helps though because you can't have everything stormy no that's why I would literally write it down all the different weather patterns and kind of like write different songs and titles underneath it mm-hmm. and that was what helped me you know stick the album together but it was really it was really good fun and wrote songs in loads of different places with different people and wrote some songs of my own and just kind of had a bit more fun with it generally I'm quite weird about it. congratulations on the second thank album you. Uh, thank you very much for speaking to me Thanks and for having me. looking forward to when you bring out your podcast <laughs> go for a drink thanks very much <laughs> thank you and that's it. Another episode down as we delved deep into my guest's audio world. I hope you get cast away by today's top podcast picks. Yeah, I just said that. Sorry. All of the podcasts we've mentioned today are included in the episode show notes. Now, if you love this conversation as much as I did, please share your thoughts by leaving a review. And if you'd like to receive weekly installments of Cast Away delivered straight to your phone, hit the subscribe button. Until next time, that's it from me. Take care. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.